My friends, as I prayed with uh, readings throughout the week and ultimately found myself once again down in our chapel uh, before the Most Blessed Sacrament in our rectory Saturday morning, perhaps a little less distracted because Notre Dame had a bye uh, week yesterday, uh, less distracted, that is, until uh, this classic movie, Rudy, uh, came to my heart and mind. You know, I this thought wouldn't go away. I tried so hard to uh, focus on the Lord, but this very inspirational movie kept coming to my mind, so I decided to embrace it in my prayer. And I came to realize uh, that this inspirational movie, it seems to me anyhow, gets to the heart of today's readings. Those not familiar, Daniel Rudiger, Rudy, he dreamed of playing football at Notre Dame. His grades weren't so hot. He wasn't going to get in there academically. Uh, he certainly lacked the talent, really. Uh, more importantly, the size and the speed to play at any sort of major uh, football level. Um, but he held on to his dream. Anyway, tragedy struck after high school. His best friend uh, died in a terrible accident, so he just he chose to follow his dream in total faith that uh, the Lord would uh, provide. You know, I don't want to go through all the details of the movie, but he enters in a community college in the hopes of uh, getting into Notre Dame. It's a rainy day. You should watch the movie. You know, we have our dreams, my friends. God has dreams for us, too. He already knows what the ultimate result is, of course. Uh, and he knows that and invites us to achieve our dreams, his dreams, in and through faith. He wants us to allow ourselves to be surprised by grace. This happens in and through faith. Our dreams, God's dreams for us, though, are not uh, discovered, not realized, though, without many struggles, perhaps without faithful determination. For our friends, today's readings take up the theme of faith. They call us to faith, even at times when it seems that God is so distant in our lives, or we look around our world and we see so much suffering, so much violence, even natural disasters like hurricanes coming through and ripping through our cities. Even when our hot mess world seems so contrary to the promises of our faith in so, so many ways. You know, the prophet Habakkuk in the first reading also struggled to make sense of things in his time. And he complains to the Lord. How long, O Lord? I cry for help, but you do not listen. I cry to you violence, but you do not intervene. The prophet was wondering, perhaps as we wonder, why isn't God doing anything about the violence and injustices that he and that we see all around us? But what does God say to Habakkuk? What did he say to Rudy? What is he saying continually, continuously to all of us? Well, the first reading tells us, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not be late. 
You know, God's timing is not always our timing, is it? We know this. But he, we also, please God, know that his timing is always perfect timing. So today we are being told that sometimes, my friends, we must wait. But we are always to wait in total trust and in complete faith. You know, faith, that assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Like the prophet, after he received the vision, we too, my friends, must be resolved. Resolved to wait quietly for the day of judgment, of course, and to patiently await for his plan to unfold in our own lives and to rejoice in the Lord, even when it seems that there are so few consolations few signs of the blessings promised by the Lord. So we must continuously exercise that theological virtue of faith and hold on to the belief that God will, in the end, in his divine perfect timing, deliver justice to all. It is good to remind ourselves, my friends, at times of those times in our lives in which we have perhaps lacked faith and failed to see God working in our lives, fail to perhaps trust in his time, only later to realize in the end he was working there all along and things worked out better than we had hoped. That is what the Israelites are doing in today's psalm. They're reminding themselves of Meribah and Massa, these places in the desert when they were traveling through the desert so many years where they had hardened their hearts toward the Lord these places where they had lacked faith in this plan, over to ultimate, over, uh, over, only to be overwhelmed by his generous grace, his love and mercy, even brought into the promised land. Similar messages are apparent in the second reading in 2 Timothy. You know, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's encouraging him to have confidence in the grace of Timothy's priestly ordination. And while Paul was writing to one priest, Timothy, through the Holy Spirit, his words reach out across the whole church over time. And while most of us, of course, are not priests, all are called to have the confidence that Paul called Timothy to. You know, my friends, Christians should be confident. Not, of course, self-confident, but perhaps Christ-confident, spirit-confident, humbly-confident, because we have, as St. Paul tells us, the help of the Holy Spirit. We should continually then, as he says, stir into flame the gift of God that we all received at baptism. We're going to have three baptisms right after this Holy Mass. We should stir into flame this gift that we received in baptism and in all the sacraments, especially the one we're celebrating here in this Holy Mass. This gift, all those gifts of the sacraments, should of course then not lead to cowardice, but rather to power and love and self-control that St. Paul speaks of. We of course should never be ashamed to testify to Jesus Christ working in our lives. We should quietly bear our share of hardship. It is our lot sometimes, we know this, our lot as disciples. 
and we should embrace the strength that comes from God and God alone. And we should cry out to the Lord in our prayer each day as the apostles did. Lord, increase our faith. You know, faith is an act through which we, we freely ascend in total obedience to the whole truth that God has revealed. Faith helps us provide answers to our search for ultimate meaning in our lives. Faith helps us to look around a world that does seem to be a hot mess and still see God in control. Maybe our life is not gone as we had planned or had hoped or it is filled with all kinds of terrible suffering. But still, through faith, my friends, we can be at peace because we know that we are loved and that he who loves us has a plan. And as Dr. Peter Kreeft says, the Father says to us, trust me, I know what I am doing. After all, I'm your daddy. These words, my friends, should resonate with all of us as Catholic Christians. And while we may periodically cry out like Habakkuk the prophet, how long, O Lord, we cry out in faith, in patience, and humbly confident, knowing that God answers all of our prayers. Sometimes yes, perhaps sometimes no, and oftentimes perhaps not quite yet. My friends, I think it is easy to read today's gospel and think that Jesus was giving a rebuke to the apostles and therefore to all of us. Their faith, perhaps our faith, isn't even the size of a mustard seed. I'd like to offer another perspective. We don't need much faith for the Lord to be able to do amazing things in and through us. After all, look what he did with a puny contribution of five loaves and two fish. He fed 5,000 men and their families. It seems to me that the gospel, in, well, Jesus in the gospel is in encouraging all of us. And he is saying to each of us something like this. Okay, fine. Maybe your faith is lacking these days, but you do have faith. I gave it to you in a baptismal font like that one over there, the waters of baptismal grace. My friends, step out. Step out in humble confidence, total abandonment to me, and I will do incredible things in your life through faith. Jesus is inviting all of us, my friends, to trust, to faith. Jesus will take what we got, find sometimes it's not a lot to offer, right? And he'll do great things with it, in our own lives, of course, but also in the lives of those we encounter. You know, the second half of today's gospel gives us a certain sort of instruction, a game plan to live out our faith. Jesus tells us that we must work at it. We must exercise the gift of our faith, and we must be humble. While we cannot work our way into heaven, of course, because we are saved by faith, we also know James 2, verse 26, faith without works is dead. 
So we embrace our discipleship role of servant, and we do our part, plowing and tending the sheep in the field. But we must do it all the while, humbly realizing that we don't do God any favors by serving him. Even the greatest works of faith do not add a little bit even to God's glory. Nor can we actually put God in our debt and deserve to come here immediately and take our place at table like the gospel at first suggests. You know, my friends, I know this is really not our human experience, but Dr. John Bergsma said, holiness is normal. It is sin and evil that are abnormal. If we live a saintly life, in a sense, he says, it is nothing exceptional. All we've done is to be truly human, to fulfill the destiny for which we were created in the first place. This really resonates with me. A friend of mine uh, would often say to me after I was expecting some sort of like pat on the back for simply doing my job, he would turn to me and said, what do you want, a cookie? I mean, sometimes we are expecting some sort of accolade for simply being who God created us to be. But my friends, we should be assured, God does want to do incredible, surprising things really in each of our lives. We simply need to let him perhaps get out of the way of our own plans by exercising the faith that he has all given us. And if we feel perhaps this is a low faith sort of time in our life, we should simply just act as if we do have faith. Our posture, our preparation should just come here uh, as if God truly is present, his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist, not just because he is, but because in faith, he's going to draw us into that incredible mystery. If we lack faith, we should simply act as if we do. We receive reverently. Mass is not uh, optional, even on vacation. It is a priority, our relationship. In faith, he becomes the most important relationship in our lives. He created us, after all, without our permission. He uh, keeps us alive every moment of our day, sustaining us in and through his grace. And so we act as if all of that is true. We make him a priority and we sacrificially speak to him each day. We make it a priority morning, noon, and night, recognizing ultimately that he is the source of our joy and therefore has a right to our praise and glory. He will then, while we turn to him, help us more perfectly turn to our neighbor, perhaps through corporal and spiritual works of mercy. My friends, do all these and more. Me too. And we ought to patiently wait in total trust in his plan and humbly confident and filled with faith. And may God be praised. Amen. Amen.